Oh, it was it was completely surreal. And I remember uh, like my first days there, I just couldn't believe it was happening like that. I was actually there. Like um, I remember like walking in and seeing like, you know, they had um, they used to have like a big mural with all of the uh, with all the logos of every show they had ever made there, like on the wall. And I remember just looking at that mural and being like blown away. Like, I can't believe I get to work here you know and i remember uh when i started there it was sort of around the time that i think chowder had just like they were just finishing flapjack was winding down but they had like a couple episodes left and i remember like yeah getting to meet you know some of these people who were the people whose shows i had seen or worked with the people whose shows i had seen and it was just like it was mind blowing and i remember like yeah you know the the point to the point when i was making okko OK and i was like animating the cartoon network studios logo and my characters were in the middle of it it was just like it was like it was like mind blowing like you know like i used to watch this channel like 24/7 and like i'm definitely in the generation that was like really just uh primed to like all of their original programming when it was starting like literally i think the year we got it was when like what a cartoon was starting and like uh all the stuff that fred steibert was doing and i remember like just you know actually stepping into that building and like being a part of it was just like it was it was mind-blowing it seriously was did any of it feel fake did you feel like you were dreaming at all I just remember, like, it, it just all moved so fast that yeah. I didn't really have time to think it was fake. I was just like, I can't believe I'm here, you mm -hmm. know? I remember, uh, uh, I think it was maybe the second season of Adventure Time. We had moved, like, in the building, and we were actually, like, across every uh, floor at that time had like two shows on it and i remember um um i think like gendy was starting symbionic titan maybe around that time and i remember just thinking like i can't believe it this is like a hero of mine yeah. like down the hall you know what i mean um you know it was it was it was surreal it was really surreal hey guys it's your host julian this week i sit down with ian jones cordy the creator of okko let's be heroes this is the first of our two-parter with Ian. During this episode, we talk about how Ian fell in love with animation, a little side hustle he had during school using his artistic abilities. We also chat about his time on Venture Brothers as well as Adventure Time. A little bit about him getting to work with LeVar Burton on OKKO. OK yes, THE LeVar Burton from Reading Rainbow. Ian was such a cool and kind dude with his time, and I'm super thankful we got to chat. I hope you all enjoy listening to this as much as I enjoyed recording it. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What's in My Head podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and today I'm joined by Mr. Ian. Ian, how are you, sir? Hey, glad to be here. Oh, man, I'm glad that you're here, man. Uh, so we're going to jump in the, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do a little bit of a format because I think this worked out quite well for the couple previous episodes we've done it with. Uh, so we're going to get in that metaphorical time machine, that DeLorean, if you will. We're going to take a step back. We're going to go to young Ian, man. Do you remember where you fell in love with animation? Oh, man. I wish I could remember because... Um... As far as as long as I can remember, I've loved cartoons. Like, I feel like I first started drawing when I was like three. I have like some very early memories of doing that, but I have no idea what the first cartoons I saw were. It was probably it's probably Looney Tunes, just because those were on like every day and they were syndicated in my area. I would just watch Looney Tunes all the time. Some of my like first drawings were Looney Tunes, so. I'm going to guess it was Looney Tunes. I think for so much of us, because, I mean, you're not too much older than me. I'm thir 33. I just turned 33 this year. So, you know, I got to feel like we grew up kind of with the same sensibility when it came to cartoons, yeah. came to animation, comic books, movies, any of that type of shit. Um, you know, so I got to imagine for a lot of us as, as, you know, you know, being our age, Looney Tunes was like the end or Tom and Jerry was the end, the Flintstones, yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, uh, for sure. So when looking back, though, man, uh, do you remember where you kind of, started to draw that line was like i love watching this but i love drawing this and this is what i want to do you remember right. what this was 
So when I was in elementary school, um, I think I was like in first grade or second grade. I kept drawing, you know, I had like a stick figure character that I used to draw like when I was like in preschool. And then I started like adding more to it. And um, this was like around the time I think Simpsons came out. And I remember um, I was super into Simpsons. I was super into Garfield, the comic strip uh, at the same time too. And I remember just being like, oh, I can make a character like one of these characters. And then, um, yeah, I think it was like around first or second grade. I made like my first like characters that were like, one of them was like a little kid that was like me and his whole kind of world. And then I had like a bunch of animal characters and then I would just try to draw um, or try to draw like comics mm. and show them to my friends and to my parents. They didn't understand them because they were like off the wall. Like you couldn't understand it. It's like chicken scratch from a child. You know what I mean? Uh, but that was like the time where I was just like, oh, I really want to like create characters and tell stories. That's like those are like those, uh, you know, sometimes there's just like those moments where you're just like, oh, like. I really want to go back to that feeling of like discovering that for the first time, you know? Now, uh, I told you I wouldn't ask you anything personal. This is about a personal question I'll ask you, but do you have kids? Uh, no, I don't. I okay. don't. The, the only reason I ask that is because it, it's come up so many times. People say, I've had multiple animators have said, you kind of have to have a childish side to be an animator. Right. You have to be able to tap into that because that's that's not who you're writing or animating for, but that's a big part of the audience. You know, you want to connect that younger sure. crowd. We all have that kid. In, I mean, look at all this shit behind me. I mean, yeah. look at the stuff behind you that's influenced you. I mean, this, like I come in here and, I, and I'm instantly inspired. I'm instantly like, Fuck, I remember where I was at when I saw the turtles for the first time. I was at when I remember I saw Plank and Ed, Ed, and Eddie for the first time. Right. I mean, there's a spam cam that has no reason to be back there other than that. Absolutely <laughs> nice. Um, you know, but it, it's just insane to think that, you know, we have these little, these shows, these movies, these comic books that, you know, take us there. But the reason I asked you if you had any kids was whenever I start showing my oldest son shows or movies that I watched, like I look like I'm watching the show, but I've already seen it a hundred times. So I know what's going to happen. What I'm really looking at is like, what's he looking at? Like, is that what I look like? Did I look like a zombie? Like he looks like right now watching <laughs> these shows for the first time. So it's insane yeah. to see and connect, you know, to that, that childlike wonder, but through the yeah, lens sure. of somebody else. And then he's picking it up. Um, when you're watching these shows and you're creating these, these characters, um, I don't know if you ever got a chance to work with him, but I had Chris Battle on not too long ago. He did some Powerpuff Girls, mm. Samurai Jack, Teen Titans Go. And yeah. uh, the one thing he said, he's like growing up in high school and you were the artist in school. Everybody wanted you to draw the characters. What was that situation like for you? I mean, was everybody coming? He's like, Ian, man, I want you to draw me Batman. Or what was that like? For sure. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I remember being like the kid that could draw in classes. Um, I remember in like, I think it was fourth grade or fifth grade. I got into a racket of oh it was when um it was when uh Marvel cards were like really oh, popular yeah. mm -hmm. and so I got a bunch of um index cards and then I would like draw like I would be like oh for 50 cents I'll draw you as a Marvel character and like write stats on the back mm -hmm. and like you can have like your own marvel card basically like stuff like that you know and just like all the like weird stuff like yeah people would just always be like yeah you know oh could you put my name in bubble letters or like something like that you know that was always that was always really fun or just like stuff where it's like if there's a class project about that has like some artistic uh thing in it like people would always want to partner with you and stuff like that it was really fun dude you were taking commissions at fourth grade yeah, it was really fun. I remember liking it. I remember like a friend being like, can you draw like a sexy lady uh, <laughs> superhero? And I was like, I will try. And he was like, it was a big commission uh, source for me. Yeah. Did you get more than 50 cents on that sexy lady drawing you did? I don't know. I wish I could go back and, and look at uh, look at the ledger. Maybe I did. <laughs> Your accountant's gonna come to you, Ian. We need to talk, man. You've got some shit in escrow over here. 
that's that's fantastic, man. Uh, before I ask you the next question, man, what was uh, who was your favorite Marvel or not Marvel? Excuse me, who was your favorite X Men? We'll start there. Oh, um, I think I just, I think I just liked Wolverine, and I think yeah. I was like at the age. Uh, my older brother had a bunch of Marvel uh, comic books. At least I think he had some. And I just remember I just liked this character, the look of it. All the stories went completely over my head at that age. And I think I just liked the characters, collecting the cards. And then when the cartoon came out, the X-Men cartoon came out, it was just all over, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah, I was just like, uh, I just would watch it like every day i really kind of want to go back to it uh i know they're doing like the new version of it now but i want to go back to that original show see how i feel about it now it's there's some episodes that are like oh fuck this is hard to get through but there's a lot of episodes in it that are really good uh you know i i had bought the so about a decade ago i started going on my no a little bit longer than that 2010 is when i went on my first deployment when i was in the navy so i would carry around you know obviously you're on a ship you can't really take streaming services with you right so i would have like three or four binders about that thick of just dvd shows whatever i can pull with me right right and, uh they had had the box set of the x-men the animated series and i was like fuck i need to get this one this one's got to go in here i remember watching <laughs> this as a kid and man i burned through that entire series and you know probably the first week or whatever on deployment um but that show was so colossus was always my guy i don't know what it was about him right I mean, it was the metal you know i liked wolverine i liked gambit but just something about colossus just spoke to me right just big dude just could smash it right he had so much more depth than the hulk and i can never get into the hulk man um but going back to to you slinging commissions uh, in fourth grade, you were an entrepreneur before you knew what an entrepreneur was, bro. I guess so. <laughs> That's phenomenal, man. Uh, the only reason I bring that up is, did you ever watch Dragon Ball Z back in the day? Oh, absolutely. In fact, I watched, I was into Dragon Ball when that yeah. came out first. Deep cuts. And then like uh, when Dragon Ball Z came out, I was like, guys, I've been trying to tell you about this for like years, you know? Yeah. The only reason I bring that one up is because uh, how you were making money for your commissions, that's how we made, that was our currency in school. You would trade. This is when you could go to computer class when we first started getting, we got our first printer in school, right? It's like oh. maybe. So you were allowed to print one picture off and it was in color. It started off in black and white, <laughs> but eventually we upgraded to color. That's so amazing. We would print off one picture each and then we would all like trade or we would sell the, just the thinking that you could sell something and now all you have to do is take out this yeah. little itty bitty phone and you can save it to the phone for the rest of your life. It's just wild. Right. Yeah. So it's I just, think, I think about that a lot because, um, you know, there's something I think about a lot, which is that, um, like these images, you know, they were so special to us as kids. Yes. Um, and like when you were a kid and you saw an image of something, you might never see that again, yeah. you know? So you like had to like, you know, keep it. I remember like, uh what the stuff behind you right now is reminding me like i had a ninja turtles t-shirt and i remember you know it came with like a tag that had like the ninja turtles logo mm -hmm. on it and i remember like clipping off that tag and like keeping that tag because yeah. like when am i gonna get to like have this like image again like i might never see it again there's no google image search there's no like phones or internet you know sometimes like you're just like you have to keep stuff in your head i think that's kind of why i started drawing because like you'd see things and you just want to like get them down you know absolutely man and i'm so glad you brought it back to drawing uh you know when you're doing this are there certain shows that you wanted to capture more than others what were some of the shows that standing out that you make sure you want to have a mental and then a physical copy of that show i think for me well i mentioned it already but for me it all came back to looney tunes always yeah. like those were the shows that those those were the cartoons that i watched over and over and over and over and like when i started getting into animation when i was tr just figuring out what animation was when i was like um in elementary school i found out you know you can oh i can record these and freeze frame and play them back like frame by frame and see yeah. how they drew it and did it and like for me looney tunes was like it was always like the thing i would watch 
over and over and over and I would like digest these things and like really love them and really care about them. And I loved those characters. And I remember thinking it's just, they're just so funny. I don't know how anybody could ever come up with these characters. Mm -hmm. And I tried to read, you know, it used to be like, I used to just go to the library and any book that was about animation, I would like try to get that book, you know? Um, and I remember, like, yeah, I had this, like, sort of obsession with just trying to figure out, like, how they made these cartoons. And, yeah, I think Looney Tunes was, like, the one I was, like, super obsessed with. You know, I bought those DVDs, but they're all in kind of, like, a weird order and stuff. You know, I wish they would do, like, a chronological thing. Yeah. It's so sad that um all the stuff's happening with HBO Max because... For a while there, they were uploading a bunch of the old Looney Tunes, and they have it all by like um by year on there too. But they're still missing like a lot of cartoons. Yeah. But like, you know, uh that is like for me, that's like the be all end all absolute height of uh cartoons. Uh those are to me like the funniest, best characters, best animated, you know. And it all depends on what, and what you're in the mood for, you know. I, I I would always, like, default. As a kid, I remember I was like, oh, Bob Clampett. Like, those are my favorite ones. And then, like, I remember getting a little older and getting the uh, Chuck Jones book from the library and being like, oh, man, uh, Chuck Jones made the best Looney Tunes, you yeah. know. And then, like, you know, just growing up and then sort of, like, liking everything – I remember discovering Tex Avery and being like his his Looney Tunes weren't as good as I as I thought the others were. But then his work for MGM was like so good and like so, you know, beyond everything, you know. Um, And yeah, I don't know. Just like just like getting into that. That was like as a kid, that was like really important for me. Dude, that's really cool that you can sit there. And I'm so glad you brought up Bob Clampett and before we go down this road, uh, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to the shows that Ian here is working oh, on. Yeah. But yeah. getting to delve into, you know, how you got to doing what you do now is just fascinating. Right. And, it, and it goes for, it can go for an animator to a comic book artist to a chef to a music. I don't give a fuck, man. It could be whatever. You could be a pirate on Tuesdays that cuts hair. I don't care, man. I want to know these stories because I think it's fascinating. And I'm taking off this shirt, not because we were just talking about HBO Max, but it's, it's for some reason it's hot as hell in this room, man. <laughs> It's usually cold as shit. You know, Florida's got a little cold spell going on. Um, but I think they turned the AC off because everybody's a little chilly in here, right? <laughs> but, uh, you know, just seeing how somebody's journey starts and then how and what kind of shapes and twists and pushes them in the directions that they, you know, ultimately end up is just fascinating to me. Um, but what do you think it was specifically for you? But what do you think it was about the Looney Tunes that kind of set that bar and nothing kind of matched or overtook it? I think for me, it was just those characters, like, I don't know what it was, but, you know, and I know this is, this is true of Disney characters too, Mm -hmm. like, especially of that time, you know, those characters have like an internal logic to them. Like you can see them thinking, you can see them like, you can sort of like almost imagine that they're real, you know, Uh, the Looney Tunes were like that too, but they were also funny, you know? And so, like, I think that was just it. And I think just, like, all of the actual uh, animation I just found uh, so hilarious. Um, Even though, like, you know, uh, they're so off the wall. I think it was just that they were, like, the funniest cartoons. Yeah. And I think I just thought, I felt like every cartoon should be really funny. Um, And I was definitely, I had, like, for several years... You know, I didn't want to see like a live action thing on my television. Like I was like, is if it's a cartoon, I will watch it. If not, I won't. I remember like being a kid and like you're watching Disney Channel and a cartoon is on, and then it's like up next, a live action thing. I'd be like, Nope, I'm out of here. You know? I remember when like when I was in fifth grade, we got Cartoon Network on our cable system. And I remember like it was like I, it was so funny because, like, you know, I definitely came from like a family where my mom's like, oh no, no TV during dinner. Like, 
you know, we always eat together. But I remember like that night she was like, okay, there's, I can't, there's nothing stopping this. Like you're just yeah. going to be watching Cartoon Network like until like midnight. So she just let it go. That's so fascinating. And what does it feel like? What is it like to be an Ian, right? So you go from watching the network blossom and bloom and just blow up to what it was and what it is. And, you know, I hate being negative on the show, but what it possibly could be. I really hope everybody said that it's not the end for Cartoon Network Studios. I don't think it is. You know, I had Fred Cyber on not too long ago. He was the reason that so many of the shows yeah. got made. He greenlit so much of the stuff, you know, and when he was on a few weeks back, he said it kind of happened not to the level of what's going on now, but it kind of happened when Cartoon Network bought out Hanna-Barbera. You know, you had a yeah. massive layoff, you know, you had restructuring and all this other shit. And then you had the same kind of thing with the AOL Time Warner merger in the early 2000s or, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. You know, so it, it's, it's, like it's always happened. You know, every company is, you know, kind of cannibalized itself and tried to, out of those ashes, kind of grow back stronger. But for you specifically, man, what has it been like? a kid sitting in front watching that 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 studio logo come across and then you walking into that studio and saying holy shit i work for the checkerboard i work with the ch i worked with yeah. a piece of my childhood what does that feel like is it weird does it is it does it feel real oh it was it was completely surreal and i remember uh like my first days there i just couldn't believe it was happening like that yeah. i was actually there like um I remember like walking in and seeing like, you know, they had um, they used to have like a big mural with all of the uh, with all the logos of every show they had ever made there, like on the wall. And I remember just looking at that mural and being like blown away. Like, I can't believe I get to work here, you know, and I remember uh, when I started there, it was sort of around the time that I think Chowder had just like they were just finishing flapjack was winding down but they had like a couple episodes left and i remember like yeah getting to meet you know some of these people who w were the people whose shows i had seen or worked with the people whose shows i had seen and it was just like it was mind blowing and i remember like yeah you know the the point to the point when i was making okko and i was like animating the Cartoon Network Studios logo and my characters were in the middle of it. It was just like, it was like, it was like mind blowing. Like, you know, like I used to watch this channel like 24 seven and like, I'm definitely in the generation that was like really just uh, primed to like all of their original programming when it was starting. Like literally, I think the year we got it was when like what a cartoon was starting and like uh, all the stuff that Fred Seibert was doing. And I remember like just, you know, actually stepping into that building and like being a part of it was just like, it was, it was mind blowing. It seriously was. Did any of it feel fake? Did you feel like you were dreaming at all? I just remember like it, it just all moved so fast that yeah. I didn't really have time to think it was fake. I was just like, I can't believe I'm here. You mm -hmm. know, I remember, uh, uh, I think it was maybe the second season of Adventure Time we had moved like in the building and we were actually like across every uh, floor at that time had like two shows on it and I remember um, um, I think like Gendy was starting Symbionic Titan maybe around that time. And I remember just thinking like, I can't believe it. This is like a hero of mine, yeah. like down the hall. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it was, it was, it was surreal. It was really surreal. I'm so glad you brought up Gendy because the fans know uh, he's Mount Rushmore. Like, so there's a question that I'll ask you when we do our part two, ladies and gentlemen, you made it this far. So, you know, there's going to part two coming. Where we're going to ask all the fans questions and we're going to delve <laughs> dive deeper into OKKO. OK I want to make sure we kind of end on that note because that's a very fun show and it's a very special show because my kid told the story before, but I kind of got out of animation around 2012, 2013. When you're deployed, it's just you don't have any time to watch anything. You don't have cable. Right. You know, I had a kid at that time 
so he was just watching, he would watch like PBS or dinosaur train. He'd watch some cartoon stuff, Nickelodeon stuff. And it wasn't until about 2014 when I come home off of uh, my last deployment, I'm on shore duty and, uh, I'm just flipping through the channels and regular shows on. I never heard of it. Never seen it. Never. I didn't know what was going on. And my, my sons go, stop, 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 daddy, stop. So we'd stop and we watch it. And then, you know, they're throwing up their arms. They're going, whoa, right? So <laughs> looking at this and I'm watching him. I'm like, holy shit, this seems really funny. We're watching it. We're having a good time. And then we start to watch this. We're starting to watch it every day. We kind of bonded over this because when we would de- when I would deploy, I would it would suck just being away from your wife and son, man, right. not sleeping next to your wife for nine straight months, not being able to see or hold your kid or give him a hug. Suck, man. You know, I signed up for it. So I don't need any sympathy or anything like that from anybody, but it's just like, it sucked. I didn't know the the ramifications of not only, you know, being a husband and but being a dad during that time and getting to see this, not only did it bring me back to animation, but it brought me closer with my son. We had something to watch, man. So when I would get off work, he would know generally what time I would get home and uh, he would see me coming up the driveway and he would throw up his hand like Rigby and Mordecai did. He'd go, whoa, and I'd go, whoa. And then if <laughs> I didn't do it, he would fucking run around in circles in the house. Whoa. And it would aggravate the shit out of my face. She's like, well, you just throw your hand up and go, whoa. So he'll stop. You know, so it was it was something about that. And like I said, with OKKO, OK this was something else, man. It was a little bit later. You know, he's at that weird stage where it's kind of like he's almost a teenager. So it's interesting that he uh, just doesn't want to hang out with dad as much anymore. Doesn't want to watch cartoons with dad anymore sure. this is the one that we you know started watching a few years back um but like i said when you brought up gendy man he's mount rushmore for me he's he's if i could put him on all four spots and mount rushmore he's on all four spots uh, <laughs> so you get to hear all the time you know us fans fanning out over you or fanning out over gendy or fanning over your wife or you know craig mccracken whoever it might be i got to imagine with you being a fan of cartoon network literally from day one you've had to have at least had and fanned out pretty hardcore for somebody who would be that one person or maybe you got two stories you might have fanned out a little too hard for but what did that fan out story <laughs> look like oh man I, I let's see i feel like you know definitely with i mean i was just like super hardcore into dexter's lab that was like when i was when i was like a middle schooler um that was like my show you know that was like i felt like that was like oh there's finally a cartoon that like really speaks to me um and getting to finally meet a lot of those people uh was has been pretty amazing um and i've definitely like yeah i don't know i'm trying to think if there's like i'm trying to think of like any like super embarrassing uh fan fan out stories that i've ever had really trying to think if you don't have uh, an embarrassing one, what's one that sticks out to you getting to meet a hero of yours? Does one stick out? There is one that sticks out. They they're not a cartoonist, but That's fine. when I was on OKKO, um I got to meet and direct uh LeVar Burton because he did a, a, he did a guest spot um on the show. He was playing his character from Captain Planet. Um <sighs> and it was just like, I don't know. It was like a crazy moment. I didn't even get a picture of us together because I was like freaking out like a little too much, you know? And it's one of those things where it's like I had to work. So I had to like be cool about it and like give him the lines and say, oh, we want it like this, you know? But I eventually like, you know, I got him. He like signed my script and we like talked a little bit and I was like telling him how, you know, uh, how much of a big deal it was like reading rainbow and star trek and like i was telling him how much like oh him being on star trek i always thought he was so cool uh even though like you know oh i went back and watched it and like jordy's kind of a nerd and that's kind of funny and he was like he was just talking about how like oh he, and he 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 really liked uh being Kwame on Captain Planet and he was like oh I want them to do something with this you're the first person to actually call me in to do this character in like a really long time it was great I was like and I like I was like freaking out a little bit and we we got to have like a couple uh Star Trek uh people on the show uh we had Martina Sirtis we had Michael Dorn and like you know of course I'm like you know totally showing my uh nerd ass here by like having them on on the show but like it, i like i i was freaking out that's not a cartoonist but i was just like super uh like 
crazy like happy uh to hang to actually get to meet lavar and like hang out with him for a little bit that's so cool man and so I used to listen, uh, they not used to listen because they don't do it anymore. Uh, but Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, the reason I'm the end of the NBA is because of Shaq, right? Seeing him rip the, rip the rim down in New Jersey when I was like five or six years old, <laughs> I look at him and I'm like, there's no way we're the same anything. He is a superhero in real life. That's what he yeah. is. And just seeing that, I'm like, Oh my God, this is this, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. But you know, like I said, just getting to see how kind of you get to meet a hero, right? Yeah. And with Lavar Burton in particular, uh, you know, so like I said, Shaq was on this podcast, and anytime they would flub up or somebody would mess up, they would play the Reading Rainbow. Take a look; it's in a book, <laughs> Reading Rainbow. Right. You know, so Shaq would stutter through an ad or something like that. You know, so I'm from that same generation where Reading Rainbow was always on. Mister Rogers was always on right there oh, yeah. was always something along those lines and this is probably i've been doing this the show for over two years now that's the first time anybody's only brought up or has ever brought up lavar but also has brought up captain planet and i'm so glad it happened man because that was one of those shows that you got you got made fun of for liking oh but yeah now everybody oh, you see a captain planet t-shirt i'm like I'm pretty sure it's like these 12-year-olds are wearing Nirvana t-shirts. What's your favorite Nirvana song? Who's Nirvana? You dumb dumb. You're wearing their shirt, man. So I'm It's glad. so funny because because Captain Planet wasn't it wasn't a show that I actively liked, but I definitely watched it like yes. every day. Like I have like memories of like watching it with my brother, like mm-hmm. like watching the show being totally like on the edge of my seat for like sh- you know all the shit that's happening in the show. Like yeah. it's so funny. Um, but I do when I got to like reapproach those characters for OKKO, I did realize like, oh, I have a huge soft spot for this show. And like I definitely have like a ton of nostalgia for it. So yeah, it was funny. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah, but back in the day, people would definitely make fun of that show like all the time because it was seen as so lame, you know? But uh I don't know. I really did have a soft spot for it. I think he might have been the first superhero with a mullet too. So, oh yeah, that's true. But I know, I mean, I Guy Gardner, you know, when he was the Green Lantern, he kind of had a mullet. But right. you know, uh, with with that one, with that one in particular, uh, was there any actors that you wanted to work with that the network kind of shot down, or anybody you reached out to that just never returned that phone call? You know, um, it's funny that you mention um, Mister Rogers because. Uh, so we didn't, of course, you know, he, he has, he's passed on, mm-hmm. but we had wanted to use um, a clip of him talking mm-hmm. uh, for one of our last episodes. He, he, he had a, he had a, uh, like a song is more like a poem uh, that I remember, like from when I was a kid, it was like, what do you do with the mad that you feel? Yeah. And like, you know, I was a kid, I, I like, you know, I was, I was a terror, you know, at, at when I was little, I used to throw tantrums. I was like, I don't know. I had some, like, I was hyperactive. I, I was like very like, I don't know. My parents sometimes didn't know what to do with me, it, but I do remember like there was this, um there was that poem from uh Mr. Rogers and I had it on a tape and it used to like calm me down a little bit, like a, like a VHS that we had taped of it. And uh, we wanted to put a clip from that. You know, this was like a personal memory to me. And I wanted to put a clip of that into the final episode. Cause uh, in the, in the final episode, it all kind of comes down to that. It's like, you know, when you're a kid and you have complicated feelings and you're kind of having a tantrum, uh, what do you do? you know, to get yourself out of that, uh, out of that mindset. And so we wanted to use a clip of that poem. Um, uh, but his estate actually turned us down. <laughs> they yeah, were just sucks. like, I can't remember how they put it. They were just like, Oh, we want to make sure that, you know, we keep this really close to the chest and we don't want it to be in too many things. And, and to be fair, um, I think they probably made the right choice because, uh, you know, when uh, Mr. Rogers talked about, you know, the kind of, you know, violent, uh, crazy cartoons that were on opposite his show, he yeah. could have been he he might have been describing my show. I don't know if it was the right 
move for his brand to be associated with it. So I think it, I think they made the right choice. Uh, well, in hindsight, man, I kind of wish they would have been a little bit more open, man, and you could have got to do that because that's something special. Whenever you can take something from your personal life and you can kind of weave it into and you can share it with other people, not only does it mean more, but you can you you can cut through all of the bullshit and you're like, this dude, this chick, this this person, man, they fucking love what they do and they want to share that love with everybody else, man. And I think that's really something special. That's something that I've noticed with you know your generations, and I'm throwing your generation there, like you, Penn, JG, your, your wife Rebecca, you know, you guys you I look at these shows and there's so much more than just the cartoon and that's no diminishing I'm a huge fan of the 90s the early 2000s the mid 2000s you know I get shit on a lot because I'll sit there and say oh these new cartoons just aren't great yes and no right because people just take shit out of context do I like as many of the shows now as I did back then when I was a kid no and everybody will say that when you're an adult everything that you watch as a kid was so much better than what kids watch now that's what everybody pretty much says but I see these shows now and you guys are putting messages in there like this, like inclusivity. I hope I said that correctly because I have this, I have this habit of like just fucking words up. But this, this acceptance for people, no matter race, uh, fucking sex, gen, no matter what it is, man. There's so many things that make us the same, and I, I think that's something very, very cool because it says something when you can sit there and look at a screen and say, I see myself in that character. Regardless of what they look like, what they sound like, what they do, right. what they don't do. I see myself in that character. And that's something that I say, like I said, I've noticed a lot more in the last decade of cartoons than I did in maybe the previous 20 years. But maybe it's just because I wasn't looking at it from a different perspective like I do now, man. Having boys, having a girl on the way, you know, it kind of opens up your field of vision. Like it's just not one way, man. There's so many there's so many avenues for so many different types of stories that we haven't heard. And like I said, I, I really appreciate what you guys and gals are doing these days with these cartoons, man. Um, so we kind of, I kind of got sidetracked there with your fans, uh, you're fanning out, man, but I appreciate you sharing those stories with me. Uh, the first thing I thought of when you were telling me about LeVar was if you ever watched the community with Donald Glover, where LeVar Burton guest spots on there. And then, you know, Donald Glover's a huge fan of LeVar Burton. He's just staring at him the entire time. He doesn't know what to say. He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> First thing he says, he's like, don't let him talk to me. And then he comes up, sits next to him and talks to him. He's like, <gasps> and then he runs away. That's what I imagined when you were telling me the story. <laughs> that, for sure. For yeah. Sure. So kicking it back, man. So you should work on this little show called Venture Brothers. Venture Bros. Excuse yes. me. So without going super, super in detail into how you got there, man, what was it? What was your experience like? Because you were on there for a little while. So, okay. So. Uh, I I can give a I can give a short version of like how I got there, but I um uh so that show was made at a it, okay so right now that show's made at Titmouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, before that it was made at a animation studio called World Leaders Entertainment, um, which before that was called Noodle Soup Productions. <laughs> When I, I know it's kind of a kind of a wacky name, but uh, they're I think they're one of their founders was called Jeff Nodelman or something. So it was called Noodle Soup. Um, I interned there and uh, this was like during college and uh, I had I had a I had a decent internship there. They wanted me to stay on. I went and I did like my final film for college. I came back. They were like, "Hey, do you want to like help us out with stuff?" So I, I would do like small little like um, freelance jobs, and I eventually started um, doing some animation direction for them on a show. It was like a really a show like that nobody's heard of. It's called Supernormal. Uh, it was like a show for kids. I think it aired in the UK, and I was doing animation direction and. The new season of Venture Brothers was about to start up and they were like, hey, we need another animation director. And so I took a test for it and I just happened. I just, you know, it wasn't like a thing that I had like the skills to do it. And when I talk about animation direction, I'm talking about um, uh, using X sheets, which is like basically it's like a spreadsheet for every single frame in a cartoon and what happens on that frame and like uh, which poses each character should hit on each frame, stuff like that. Um, and I tried it out. It was really fun. Uh, 
And then I got a lot of help doing it. And then they had me on the crew and it was great because uh, we basically got to sort of all the action that happened, all the like fun stuff that would happen. You know, the, the creator of the show uh, would sit down with us and sort of go through an episode. Um, he would go through an episode with us and sort of explain, oh, these are the things that happened in the episode. This is kind of how I want this action to go. Uh, these characters are talking to each other. This is what I think is funny about it. And we would just sort of take that information and um, just like interpret that into the actions that were going on in the episode. And I remember um, I just had a lot of fun, like learning a lot about like character acting, storyboarding, um, like how a show is made and how it's put together, like the editing, um, you know, sending shows like uh animating like doing the direction sending it off to get animated seeing it come back and being like oh why did i do that you know like <laughs> stuff like that it was really fun so where do you feel the most fulfillment obviously you've done pretty much everything as far as from nuts to bolts start to finish for a show i mean you created your own show you helped bring you know with rebecca um steven universe you worked on adventure time venture brothers or adventure bros i keep saying brothers because i'm dumb but anyways uh you know so what is what what's most satisfying for you is it storyboarding is it directing is it editing uh, is it animating as a voice work what do you feel the most fulfillment from hmm i think the thing is uh I don't know if I find I don't know if I find fulfillment in a single discipline. I think the thing that is most fun for me um, is the places where those jobs overlap, mm -hmm. and you get to have a conversation that you never thought you would have, uh, you know, with another member of the team to figure something out. Like I remember there was like an Adventure Time episode called All the Little People, where it was just like tons and tons of like tiny versions of the characters all on screen at once, like 50 to a hundred of them on, on screen at once. And I remember like having to talk like me and the designer, Andy Restino having to like sort of figure out like how many people is on here. Like, is it a hundred? Is it a thousand? Like having those discussions on like, how do we, how do we then like put all these characters on the screen? How do you design all these? Like doing the drawings together, like, you know, those moments of, like, uh, collaboration are, like, are really, really fun, you know? Those are the, that's the stuff that I, like, really love. Like, um, I also, another job I really loved was being a storyboard revisionist. Yeah. And that's when you, you're kind of going through a storyboard and you're sort of checking for, you know, uh, like, mistakes, uh, making sure that the continuity makes sense, like, that kind of stuff stuff i i love that job because it was very uh it's very interactive sometimes people would come to you and they'd be like oh i need you to draw like you know i remember there's one episode where uh it was on adventure time when jake wasn't in the episode for the whole episode and we were like and they were like how are we gonna get jake in this episode and then at the very end uh, it was like, hey, Finn, what's that pocket on your shirt? And Jake was inside the pocket and then he farted. And I remember like everybody laughed, but then it was like, wait a minute. This means that we have to put a pocket on Finn's shirt for the whole episode. So you get like a stack of paper and it's like put pockets on all these fins, like, you know, stuff like that, like random stuff like that. Like, you know, people be like, oh, like I'm doing like this crazy like vr 360 scene like i need you to draw the characters like rotating around and like sometimes it'd be like technical stuff sometimes it's just like i don't know there were like so many different things like oh there needs to be like an explosion on this page can you draw something like draw like a huge explosion or something like it was just really fun yeah so that's really cool man and uh, adventure time it's 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 one of those shows that i wish i could go back Maybe I have to wait 10 years, kind of like I did with uh, Samurai Jack, where I go back and I watched it in its entirety as a kid. 
And then, you know, last or 2021, uh, when my youngest son was born, uh, I watched Samurai Jack whenever my wife would go and take a shower. I'd sit there with the baby and watch an episode and then she'd come out, give her the baby and then I'd get in the shower. Um, So I'd watch an episode every night and it felt like I was watching the show for the first time again. So maybe I got to do that with again with Adventure Time because that's so such a special time in my life watching that show and having fun with that. And then just getting to hear the people that have worked on it, that have talked about what a game changer that one was, you know, for animation in general. I mean, everybody wanted a SpongeBob when SpongeBob came out. Everybody wanted a Samurai Jack. Everybody wanted Adventure Time. Everybody wanted Steven Universe. There's these pivotal moments in animation history where they kind of pushed culture. They pushed the animation so far. And then everybody's looking for the next X, Y, and Z. Um, So, before we jump off of Venture Bros, man, uh, I got to imagine with that one kind of being, was that the first one, the first one at Cartoon Network that you, that you got your feet wet on? Yeah, and um, I wasn't actually working like in Cartoon Network because that was done. It was done at another studio in New York, mm-hmm. um, but it was for Cartoon Network. And that that I really felt like, well, it's not going to get, it's not going to get better than this. You know, yeah. it's not going to get bigger than this. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's pretty cool too, man. Because uh, I've heard such great things about the cast, the crew, and then just how hard everybody worked on that show. Um, as you start to transition from there, I got to imagine that you picked up something at least pretty cool or something you might still use on a day-to-day basis, whether it's knowledge, whether it's timing, whether it's something that, that you kind of learned from Doc and Chris. But does anything stick out as far as what you might have learned or what you might have picked and what you might still use from your your experience on the Venture Bros? Oh man, so much. Um, I mean, that was the show that I I learned how a, a animated show was made. Mm-hmm. And um, gosh, I'm really trying to figure out like a specific thing. Oh, there was there is something. Um, something that I always really admired. Um, that I always really admired the creators for was, you know. They did their whole season one. It was like it looked one way because of sort of the uh, the budget limitations at the time. They did season two that looked a certain way. They had a thing where like, you know, if they didn't like how something looked like if they didn't like a character design or like a background style or something, they and they knew how to make it better. They would just change it. You know, they wouldn't stick with something just to stick with it, you know, for the sake of oh, well, that's the way the backgrounds look, so we just have to stick with the backgrounds looking that way. They actually let themselves sort of, like, evolve the show. And even, like, the tone of the show and the way that the characters were, like, everything got to evolve and have this, like, uh, there was, like, this nice, steady, like, you know, change and improvement of, like, the characters, the artwork, uh, the storytelling, you know, I think like that's something that like I always really admired because, um, you know, you I think it's easy to sort of just like get into a rut and sort of be like, this is the way it's supposed to be. And this is the way I learned how to do this. So I'm just going to keep it like this. Yeah. You know, um, but they were always constantly like evolving things, even taking characters and like reinventing them, stuff like that. Like, you know, they were just really good at that. And I think that's something that I definitely always aspire to for sure. Absolutely, man. If you're not growing, you're dying. So it's very, a lot of people have a hard time kind of changing or trying to evolve or trying to progress. So, you know, getting to see that at such a young and pivotal age or pivotal point in your, your young animation career at that time, I got to imagine, like you said, it left an impression on you because you still use it today. Um, Absolutely transitioning into another like i said man every show you've worked on i've i'm just blown away dude it's just from the storytelling to the animation to the voice acting to just hit 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 and i can't wait for your next hit is what i'm getting at man because i got to imagine one's coming soon i gotta imagine you got one in your back pocket you're just cock locked and ready to rock man um (laughs) but adventure time like i said this one game changer right out the bat and you were there i mean what was yeah. it like working with, you know, Penn? What was it like working on Adventure Time? How was this one stacked up coming from Venture Bros? So um, Adventure Time, it was crazy because uh, I came on the show before it came out. And um, it's weird to think about 
Yeah, it's almost weird. It's hard for me to think about Cartoon Network before Adventure Time. Yeah. Because in those years, it was like they they were suddenly, they had a couple shows, but it seemed like, oh, is, is anything ever going to really hit, you know, mm-hmm. the way that, like, say, like, Powerpuff Girls, like, hit. You know what I mean? I think that was, like, a little bit of the question. And I remember... I don't know. I can't remember if um, I can't remember if Brian Miller got into it in his interview, but I remember when I got there, Cartoon Network, people were talking like, like, you know, oh, I don't know, maybe maybe the studio won't work out. Like, I don't know. Hopefully we have another show that's a big hit or something. And then I remember like when Adventure Time came out, it was still the time when, you know, it was like appointment viewing. You had to like, you know, be there like on Thursday or I think it was Monday and then Thursday. Oh no, no, it was har har Thursday. So I think it started on Thursday. Then they eventually moved to Monday and like you had to be there and you had to watch it and people were watching it every week and they were trying to like figure out the mystery behind the world. And it was like this whole thing. And I got to see this show, you know, kind of like, you know, become this like whole like phenomenon. Um, and I loved working on that show. I never, uh, storyboarded for that show because, uh, I mean, the storyboarders on that show are like immensely talented and like, uh, the dialogue on Adventure Time is like, it's like poetry, Mm -hmm. you know, um, it takes like, you know, I mean, this sounds exclusionary, but it like it takes a certain kind of mind to like really get in the heads of those characters and like really be able to like write that show. I wasn't ready to do that at that time. However, I could draw the characters pretty well. So they hired me as a revisionist. And then eventually I was the story. I was the storyboard supervisor on that show. And I had so much fun working on that show. There's so many like little like subtle details that just make that world feel alive that were done for like no reason, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that, that the audience doesn't even really notice. Like I remember um, we had an episode, we would have episodes where, you know, the characters are going on these adventures and they seem kind of random and silly, but like as artists, we were like thinking like, Oh, how long would it take Finn and Jake to get from their house to the candy kingdom. Like maybe by the time they get there, it's like sunset. And then when they're leaving, it's nighttime. Like we would, we would kind of like try to track the reality that they're in. Um, And like, it really like lends this like uh, reality to the show um, that I just really, really loved. And I, and I just thought everybody working on that show was a genius. Um, Penn Ward, who created the show, um he i remember he gave me like some really good advice once um i was doing like when i did a storyboard test for the show he was kind of like he asked me like what you know what do you think a joke is like what is a joke you know and i thought like oh a joke like you know set up punchline like ha 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 you know you laugh at the punchline and he was sort of like a joke could be less than that it could be like a funny drawing it could be a funny way you get up out of the chair it could be like the funny way two friends relate to each other mm-hmm. you know it's not just about um going for those hard punchlines there's also just like the humor in like being alive and and being real you know And I feel like that's what that show has, you know, and that's why it's so fun to go back to for sure. That's such a deep question to ask to what is a joke. And until you said that, it's just, I would have probably said the same thing you did, but then I started thinking, so (laughs) I work in a kitchen. So seeing somebody, especially now we're on 14, 16 hour days because Mm. it's the week before Thanksgiving and then Thanksgiving's crazy. So we're just trying to feed as many people as we can for that day. But generally about Thursday, which is today, everybody kind of starts to crack and break. It's kind of funny. It's sad, but it's kind of funny to see, too, especially if it isn't you. So you're just sitting there and you're watching. And then uh, the person I was working with goes and they had an entire pan of, of flour. Right. And then they just weren't thinking, turned and then somehow it slipped out of their hands. And then 
it falls flower shoots up they literally look up they look or they look up they look down and then they look over and then they just don't say anything to anybody and they just <laughs> walk off and then nothing was said so there was no setup there's no punchline yeah. it was just the intent the the aggravation of the entire moment and then just seeing it all yeah. kind of cascade and end with fuck i don't make enough i don't make enough money for this i'm just gonna walk away for five minutes before i burn the place down there's just something <laughs> funny about that whole situation and until like i said until you said that about the joke like i said it's such a deep question to ask um is there anything yeah, i always I, I always think about that like because like once i once i heard that i was like you know even going back i realized oh there's so many things about like even looney tunes that i thought were funny that were really just the way that the characters acted and the way that they interacted. And that was humor. You know, it wasn't just like a straight, you know, stand up comedy. Like it's a joke, you know, it's yeah. like, there's a whole world of humor out there. There absolutely is. And then I'm so glad we keep coming back to Looney Tunes, but it was just something about those characters. And I've been trying to figure it out what it was about these characters. Right. Uh, I believe it was in Chuck Jones's book, Chuck Amuck, where he said somebody, maybe it was his grandmother, but he was like, hey, I'm going to get to, you know, write for, you know, Bugs Bunny or something like that. And then the lady was like, what do you mean write for Bugs Bunny? He, did, he doesn't need a writer. He's going to say whatever. It was, it was this <laughs> moment where it's like the character is real. You don't have to write for a character. You don't have to write for a real person. It's not a character. So it's just yeah. it's interesting that we have this way of looking at a character, especially like the Looney Tunes, because like you said, it's just like you've got some Disney characters in there you can say are top tier. But I think in my opinion, it's the same thing. It's the Looney Tunes. It's like that's the bar. That's what was set. It's I don't think anything's ever going to surpass those characters as far as the writing the animation just the little idiosyncrasies that they all have that make them tick but make them unique in the same sense right so it's just yeah. a fascinating thing a fascinating uh show um but adventure time man um is there a moment during your entire career with adventure time that you're most proud of that you look back on and say man we crushed it on this one. Oh man uh uh oh it's um okay so i think it was the second season finale um mortal folly and mortal recoil um and i i absolutely loved working on those shows i was doing revisions on those shows and i remember putting my all into like both of those episodes because they were like so cool you finally got to see like the lich king i remember being just like like I remember like when those episodes came back from overseas being animated, I was just like, this is going to blow people's minds. Um, there's so many though. Like I was just so happy to be a part of it. Um, the first Fiona and cake episode, that was super fun to be a part of. Um, there were so many, uh, I wish I could remember every single one, but it's like all of those episodes were so fun. There were so many like little, random things uh within the episodes uh that uh like little moments that we got to work on um and i remember pen used to say you know oh if there's one moment in an episode that makes you smile it's it's a uh that means that episode's a winner you know and uh i always felt like that was true like with every single episode Dude, hearing the stories about pen it's just it's such a fast there's there's characters or there's people that come along in this world that it's just like fuck man you're just way too brilliant you're way too smart and that's not a dig on anything it's just like <laughs> it's seeing how somebody can look at something and yeah tweak it just a little bit and then you're like dude you you took this from like a solid c to an a plus plus right it, right it's, it's fascinating um kind of the same thing with with doc and chris but with pen Obviously, he kind of opens your mind a little bit about what a joke is. So it's seeing how a character reacts with whatever's going on around him or anything like that. Um, what were some of the things that you might have pulled from Penn that you still use today in your career? Definitely the power of funny drawings. Um, yeah. And he, you know, he had a uh, philosophy where it's like sometimes a drawing can be a little bit wrong or a little bit weird looking. But if it's funny, like then it stays you know and it's just like this is funny you know you love the way it looks and we you just like laugh at it and i remember uh that was like a huge that was like a huge thing 
I remember learning from him just like the power of a funny drawing, you know, is immortal, you know? Yeah. That's really cool, man. Um, What was uh, with Adventure Time? And this is probably the last question for Adventure Time. And then uh, we'll do a little bit of a wrap up. But uh, for Adventure Time, I got to imagine everybody's probably going to ask you, you know, who is your favorite character to draw or who is your favorite character to animate, man? Um, But let's take it a step further. Was there a character, it might not have been your favorite character, but was there a character that felt like putting on a comfortable pair of shoes? Like you knew everything about that character from the way they would talk, the way they would act, the way they would think. I mean, it's Jake. Yeah. Because uh, Jake, uh, he can stretch into anything. Uh, he's like, he's just like super chilled out. Um, he is really zen and he's also really sensitive and friendly. And you just, you just love you just want a best friend like him. Yeah. Uh, and he's, su- he's also super fun to draw because he's got like a super funny looking face mm-hmm. and it's like, his face stays the same, but his body changes. Um, and those were like, th- that was like my favorite character to draw <laughs> when I was working on adventure time, uh, just because he's just one of those, ca- he's just like a loaf. He's easy to draw, but he's fun to draw. And he's so funny. Um, and everything about the character was just great. I loved how he like, you know, Finn was kind of neurotic and Jake just, sort <laughs> just of, like, let everything go, you know? And like, I loved, I, the thing I really loved about Jake was just that, you know, when he was talking about like how he was going to die someday and he had fully accepted it and he was just cool with it. I was like, that, that is an amazing character. He was great. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, was it, <laughs> So this one's always an interesting question. Whenever something comes up like that, like if you can take a character and you can twist and turn him, um, I got to imagine, you know, just trying to make each other laugh. You might have taken Jake and turned him into something funny. But does anything stick out to you that you tried to get in that that the, the network said, nah, you really can't make him do that? I wonder. The only thing I remember, um, one of the things I remember that like we couldn't get through is we couldn't have the characters say uh murder or like murdered uh and then we and that actually became really funny because there was like a uh there was like a murder mystery train episode but we couldn't actually say the word murder in the episode so it just turned into weird words like oh he got moitered moitered or myrtleurdled or like something and it was just it actually became like a lot funnier um yeah that that's one thing i can remember i wonder I wonder if there were any forbidden uh, Jake transformations. I, I I don't know. I'd have to check in with uh, some some old friends about that. You, you remember Cow and Chicken? Oh yeah. So I loved uh, Cow and Chicken. Do you remember the pilot? Yeah. Oh there's yeah. No, there was no smoking. Yeah, no smoking. And, and the red guy was actually called the devil. It's in, and he walked on his ass. I yeah. When I, when I had David Feast on the creator of Cow and Chicken because I asked him. It's the same thing with Craig. So with uh, Powerpuff, Craig McCracken, excuse me. So with Powerpuff Girls, they couldn't use the term the devil, right? It's the same right. thing. That's why they had to call him the red guy after. Um, and it was right. the same thing with Craig. So they could he drew a character that resembled the devil, but they couldn't call it the devil. So he called it him. Right. him and yeah. uh, I was like, dude, that doesn't make any sense. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. I mean, not only was <laughs> the red guy butt naked, he walked on his butt cheeks. So he, he made twerking a thing before twerking was a thing, right? So there's that one. <laughs> And I was like, two, he was trying to get a fucking chicken to smoke a cigarette the entire show. That was the whole point of the show. (laughs) And I was like, you couldn't call him the devil, but you could get him to sell cigarettes. The marble man was on cow and chicken and you could get butt cheeks on there, dude. That doesn't make any sense. You know, so it's wild to see what they pick at and what they, what they let through and what they don't let through. Um, Yeah. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's so, uh, it's so like uh, inconsistent and so weird. Like, on KO, we had one where a character was like supposed to shoot sort of like a um, like a beam at people, and it was supposed mm-hmm. to like disintegrate them, right? Uh, and we figured, oh, if they shoot a beam and then the character disappears, we're all good because there's no violence, right? Yeah. But they were like, no, it's too violent if they disappear. <laughs> so you have to show the beam hit the character, and then like the character fall down and like moan to like in pain 
to show that like they're still alive and it just became so disturbing because now there's like a room full of characters like lying on the ground like moaning in pain you know and i'm like that's so much more disturbing than just having the character disappear but hey you know it's your show you know that's so in, like if I would have if that would have been me I would have took it up and just dialed it up a notch man make them real thespians while they're down there moaning and groaning like oh you know just some stupid <laughs> shit the church that shit up yeah. well like I said Ian uh, we're gonna split this one into two episodes if you had fun and you want to come back because there's yeah. two shows and that uh, thank you there's two shows in particular that we got more fans questions for these two in general and one of them was Steven Universe I'm pretty sure you're very familiar with that one and the other That's one was a little show I th- you might have created I'm not sure <laughs> okay, yo, I, I don't know if you know anything about that one Ian but we're going to talk about that one too in our second part as well as all the fans questions ladies and gentlemen so make sure you come on back for that one um, but like I said Ian this has been a lot of fun yeah uh, I had a great please, time thank you I appreciate that usually we do a little bit of a wrap up um, and then I say hey Ian people want to say hey i like that thing you did where are you at on social media so people can go ahead and follow you and check out what you're doing next yeah so uh you can find me at at in the uh, sorry yeah so you can find me at uh at enjq on twitter and instagram and probably on a few other things too Mm -hmm. um and yeah you can just come by and say hi uh i don't post that much but you know you can say hi when i do beautiful well, he's been Ian. I've been Julian. This has been a What's in My Head podcast, and this has been another piece of your childhood. Make sure you tune back in for part two. Good night. Hey, guys. No episode next week, but we're working on something very cool over on our YouTube channel. Make sure you check it out, especially if you like Toonami. I'll see you next week.